0: This is People Every Day. Coming up, Queen Elizabeth responds to Meghan and Harry's bombshell Oprah interview. Plus, President Biden's dog is in the doghouse, and Evan Ross talks family, fatherhood, and his buzzy new role. It's March 9th. As this is People Every Day presented by Macy's. I'm your host, Janine Rubenstein, and it is Tuesday also. It is National Barbie Day. Yes, I am that girl, fun fact about me. I have an extensive black Barbie doll collection that I have amassed over the many years I've been collecting. And I have dreams of displaying them one day in an all glass case lined climate controlled room, uh, much to my husband's chagrin. But enough about me and my quirks. Later on in the show, I sit down with actor and musician Evan Ross. Yes, Diana Ross's very talented son to discuss family, Fatherhood and his role in the much talked about film The United States vs. Billie Holiday. But, like yesterday, the biggest news centers around the royals. I'm joined now by Senior Royals Editor for People.com, Aaron Hill. Hi, Aaron. Hi. How are you? Good. Big news today. Busy, busy, busy. (laughs) Uh, So even more has come out since Meghan and Harry's two-hour bombshell interview with Oprah this past Sunday. But let's start off with the big news. A statement from Buckingham Palace has been issued. So what did they say? What did the Queen have to say?
1: Yes, we just were issued a statement from Buckingham Palace on behalf of Her Majesty the Queen, which says, The whole family is saddened to learn the full extent of how challenging the last few years have been for Harry and Meghan. The issues raised, particularly that of race, are concerning. While some recollections may vary, they are taken very seriously and will be addressed by the family privately. Harry, Meghan, and Archie will always be much-loved family members.
0: Wow. Okay, just your first thoughts, your first takeaway on this statement.
1: My first thought was how brief it was. I thought, classic queen ending to say much loved family members at the end of the day, she's, she's a grandmother. I thought it was a little bit biting, um, that some recollections may vary that line. Yeah. And then also, um, I think a lot of people may be disappointed that it's going to be addressed by the family privately. Yeah.
0: They, I mean, they are, public figures. And, uh, you know, they're them saying that they're going to address it privately, um, it, it kind of begs the question, how?
1: Yeah. And it does sound, you know, we spoke to palace sources directly after uh, the statement was issued, who stressed that at uh, the heart of this is a family and they should be given the opportunity to discuss the issues raised privately as a family. So it's clear that they're not going to go any further in, in any formal statement, Um, we did learn that the family and the firm as a whole have been in crisis talks for much of the last two days formulating this response. Mm -hmm. And it's not surprising. They want to keep this private, um, as it involves family members who are no longer working Royals, Mm -hmm. um, and not necessarily staff members. Um, so that could be why that they're taking this route and they're going to keep it privately behind palace doors. But I think a lot of people are going to um, feel unsatisfied by that and want more information and how this is being addressed.
0: Yeah, let's talk about it, because there's been a lot out there about uh, just kind of drawing this line in the sand, right, of the the supporters of Meghan and Harry versus the ones who are kind of questioning everything that they had to say. So
1: we have a we're seeing a mix of reactions in the UK. Of course, a lot of the monarchists are very loyal to the crown, to the queen, defending um, them. And The UK press famously, you know, used to um, the tabloid scrutiny against Meghan. So that's coming full force. But then you but then you have just citizens around the UK who are disturbed by what they're Hearing is going on in the royal family, rightfully so. So um, it's a it's a big mix of reaction
0: Yeah, let, let's actually listen into one clip um, that we saw on the British talk show Loose Women, um, and it was you know basically a, a black host who had to explain the concept of casual racism to her white counterpart. So so let's listen into that. It's a very 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 different reason between inquiring as to um, uh, the skin color of of, of of a child who is the product of an interracial relationship, between concerns, as, have been concerned about it is something completely Do you different. Think, are you getting the sense, like just even in listening to that, that the lines in the sand have been drawn um, in the UK, and, and there really is kind of a split, or is, is that just the media? I,
1: I think it's largely the media. Um, And that's really Harry and Meghan's biggest issue over there is um, two things the intense scrutiny from the UK press, which is relentless, and then the lack of support. From the royal family When it comes to that Wow And then uh, The difference Between
0: the 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 U.S. reaction Versus the U.K. reaction This is something We were talking about Because when we look On what's trending um, You see uh, uh, Huge support for, for Meghan and Harry After this interview I mean Twitter Black Twitter Was just really Really right in their corner um, Is the sense Over there um, You know it, Of course We have Correspondents who are, who are working out there So what have we heard About just the general population? relations reaction in the UK?
1: Um, before the interview, it's, it was largely wary of what Harry and Megan were doing because Philip was in the hospital. Is this the right timing? It was more concerned for that after the interview. It's now what's going on in the Royal family. What are all the, these issues of mental health and, um, racism. So it, it's flipped a switch. Um, I think there are all these preconceived notions going into the interview. Oh, they're sitting down with Oprah. And are they trying to cash in, capitalize on something and look at poor Phillips in the hospital? But then you hear, you know, their side of the story, what was really going on. And I think a lot of the people over there feel feel like, hey, we want to lift the, the lid on this. What's going on?
2: So l-
0: let's talk about. Just what the takeaway is going to be for Harry and Megan, because you have uh, an additional clip that came out where she is talking about privacy. You know, at the end all be all, what are they really going for? What do they really want? So let's listen to that.
2: There's no one who's on Instagram or social media that would say, because I shared this one picture, that entitles you to have my entire camera roll. Go ahead, look through it. No one would want that. So what are you
0: thought what are your thoughts Aaron on on where this is going to leave them as a family?
1: Well, Megan said to herself she's hoping that they this is like a new beginning for them. Their truth is out there and so now they're ready to move forward um, as a couple, as a growing family, they are going to be looking for more privacy um, when it comes to a lot of that tabloid scrutiny that they, they, got, they hope they got away from um, over in the UK. So it's going to be up to them to just really kind of focus on what's ahead, their foundation, their charity work, their family, and to really uh, push forward.
0: For sure. And she talked about in the interview of, you know, always having a voice and not being afraid to use it. And oh, my goodness, that is the case. So we will hear a She's lot using more Using it now. Yes. Yeah. We will hear a lot more from from Megan and Harry. Thank you so much, Erin. Thank you. Joining me now is our senior politics editor, Sandra Soberi Westfall, who is going to shed some light on the much-do-about major that's happening right now, the Biden's dog. Uh, you know, we had gotten reports that there may have been a biting incident with a security member, and now we have some, you know, White House aides speaking out about it. So, Sandra, what can you tell us about, one, are two dogs, um, and and what is happening right now?
2: So um, it's been reported that the two dogs, Champ, who is the sort of veteran uh, Biden dog and Major, who is the newcomer, the rescue uh, German shepherd, that they were both sent home to Delaware after Major um, had an incident with one of the security uh, professionals on the White House campus last week. Um, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki was out this morning and very carefully hedging, saying, oh, the dogs are beloved members of the family. They frequently go home. And most important were the keywords. they're adjusting to White House life. Yeah. So to me, that was sort of code for, yes, something happened, but no, I'm not going to get into it. It reminded me of how first family um, stories would go under the Clintons, the Bushes, and even the Obama. Mm-hmm is where the press secretary was very careful not to talk about the daughters here. We're very careful not to talk about the dogs. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So it was like she was confirming without confirming Um, any of us who've had a rescue dog know that this is a a problem. And Mm -hmm. I just knowing Biden, this has got to be crushing to him. He loves his dogs.
0: Yes. And this is the first rescue dog to live at the White House, you know, he was adopted in 2018 from a a Delaware animal shelter. And you can imagine, like, uh, it's crazy moving into the White House for anybody, but, you know, for a dog having their entire world kind of turned upside down and all these new faces and, and, you know,
2: people telling them where to go. And I mean... And the poor thing, right? He's car- as the first rescue dog. You know, it's hard for any first. <laughs> and you carry the weight of that symbolism on your shoulders. And yes, the poor thing. I mean, it, it, you know, Michelle talks, Michelle Obama talks about how the dogs would keep a separate schedule and they'd be, you know, trotted out to certain public events and to meet tourists. So I, my heart goes out to poor Major. He had a big responsibility <laughs> and um, it's got to be crushing. But President Biden for years had little um, stuff uh German Shepherd toys that he would give out to little kids. Yeah. Like- and so he's it's just got to be heartbreaking to him that the, that the dog um, had to go home.
0: Well, so this is not the first time that there's been an incident, right, at the White House involving dogs for those who did bring dogs to the White House.
2: Oh, no. Much to um, George W. Bush's chagrin, his uh, little uh, terrier, Miss Beasley, um, also bit. I think it was a member of the press, actually. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, okay. was, it was not me. It was not one of the regular White House press corps. As I recall, and this is sort of shameful, um, the guy was not a regular, but he wheedled a White House Christmas party invitation out of the whole thing. It was oh. um, <laughs> so it was kind of a three hundred and sixty degree scandal back in the day. But yes, Miss Be- <laughs> Beasley, um, as prim as her name sounds, uh, she had a similar uh, problem.
0: Yeah, well, well, I'm putting the onus on Champ, who is 14, and you know, show him the ropes, let him know how this goes. You're a very public dog now. <laughs> Poor
2: Champ. I picture Champ laying there, rolling his eyes, like, "Oh man," <laughs> but also grateful that he got to go back to Delaware, where it's a little quieter, right? Right. Live <laughs> out sure. his
0: retirement. Thank you for taking me through the dog days of the White House, Sandra. <laughs> My pleasure. Next up. Evan Ross on balancing it all as a working
1: dad. Stay tuned. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you.
0: Joining me now is actor, singer, creative, and can't forget his most important moniker's husband and dad, Evan Ross. He stars as Agent Williams in the very much talked about new film, The United States vs. Billy Holiday, that's streaming now on Hulu. And its star, Andrew Day, recently picked up a big award at the Golden Globes. Right, Evan? Well, so let's just so start I'm there. Saying. What was your immediate reaction to Andra's win?
3: Well, I, I, I was, uh, for, uh, first of all, I mean, she, she deserved it. I really think she, I, she worked so hard and um she's a close friend of mine so I was really I was just so happy for her because she she really I mean I, the work she put in she's so good and the fact that she oh my god she's so humble about everything I mean that you know anytime she does anything she wants us all included she's um uh, you know any interview she does she wants to talk about us and how much she loves her cast members and everybody so you know when somebody's like that and and, and has that kind of feeling and heart and it you know didn't expect to win. It's just really, you know, I'm, 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 I'm happy.
0: It, it was her. It was just so raw and real when she was <laughs> announced, and you just saw her break down. And I loved her nails. I loved everything. Yeah, her, just so day. her. Yeah, so
3: special. <laughs> so good.
0: Let's talk a little bit about your character and 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 Agent Williams' place in this film, and and what that was like for you.
3: It's, it's an important part of the story. I think, he, obviously, he um, made the wrong choice and did the wrong thing. But I think mm-hmm. what was so interesting about this story of Billie Holiday is showing the government against against her, which they were against a lot of creatives, I'm sure. And a lot of people, we were talking about this the other day, I think there's a lot of people that I'm sure were stopped from even creating the music they wanted to create at that time because of mm-hmm. um, the fact that they were talking about things that they weren't supposed to and silencing people for in that way. And they really want to silence Billy Holiday. My character, Agent Williams, took a different turn than Jimmy Fletcher. He he decided he wanted to climb the ladder. Um he also there was scenes that uh Lisa as you'll see in the director's cut that we shot that um explain a lot of it to and my relationship with Jimmy, you know, he has he had a family and uh, he saw an opportunity. And I'm sure in a lot of cases with at that time that an opportunity for someone that was Af- afro-american wasn't that wasn't a thing you know yeah uh, so they really took they took those opportunities it was it was rare i think for them for a lot of people to do the opposite because it was you know it was scarce at the time yeah. so yes yeah. so another thing that was so fun that I want to bring up i was I was talking to Andre last last night and she uh in all the excitement she was like, did you see that like Willie Holiday's music right now is being listened to right now more than, like more yeah than, and I'm like that would that that in itself means Lee succeeded and so did she you know what I mean the texture of
0: this film and this particular angle of of how the government was so involved and in, you know kind of just tearing her down no, it's, um, it's
3: crazy that she had to li- live through all the stuff it was heartbreaking yeah and 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 the fact that the fact that you know someone like Harry Anslinger was you know Still in 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 place for so long through so many different presidencies, presidents. It's 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 really kind of crazy, and it's important to know. And I think it's amazing because there was no organizations back then to support her or anything like that. So she was all alone in that struggle. Wow. Um, so, uh, of
0: course, there there's that correlation to a film that I know you are growing <laughs> up. Lady Sings the Blues. Yeah. Uh, your your mom, of course, is starring as Billie Holiday in that film. Like I, I I was so young. She was one of those people I thought she was Billie Holiday. You know, yeah. I, 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 it, was, it was the same with Malcolm X with me. I thought Denzel Washington was Malcolm you know, X yeah, <laughs> because of how exactly. young I was. Well, me too. I was like, it <laughs> must
3: be him. So, yeah. yeah.
0: it must must be him but um when when did when did you watch leading scenes of the blues and and then and what did you think of how different a take on billy this was than that one
3: Uh, my mom wouldn't let me watch until i was old enough to kind of understand it i remember it it was one of the reasons why i wanted to start to act i I thought she was so incredible and and knowing her as my mom and then seeing her in this performance it was hard to watch in moments um um, her transformation and age, and one of the things that Lee talks about, which I agree with, it's you know, it's showing, um, it shows this beautiful love story, mm-hmm. beautiful black love story, and I think that was you know, it was so special, and their performances were so real and authentic, and watching it back now after uh, I hadn't seen it in a while, it's, it's, it was it's a magical movie, and Richard Pryor their relationship. And I know Lee took a lot of those feelings too because he was inspired by that movie. You know, he says it's the reason why he wanted to make film, you know. And I, throughout this process, I've been in touch with my mom before I left when I found out I got the role. And, you know, she's been extremely supportive and, 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 and um, and she's seen the movie and she thought Andre's performance was incredible cinematically it was so beautiful
0: I'm just dreamcasting this right now like this is a precursor to the Oscars and Andrew's gonna be up there and then they're gonna bring your mom out and we're just gonna have a moment of black excellence on that stage <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah you know I think I, I, you never, you never know and I think I think you know th- this is Andre's uh, moment to to
0: to feel all of it for sure. So back to you though. I just want to tell you, I was a big um, 90210 reboot oh, fan, yeah. and I was so excited. <laughs> I was so excited when you joined the cast, yeah. and, and it was it was just a fun time. Take me through some like your credits that I feel like you had the most fun with. Because I mean, you have 90210, you have Crazy, Sexy, Cool, The TLC Story, Hunger Games, Star. Um, what was just the off camera? Best vibe for you in terms of filming as an actor,
3: and there's been some really special projects that were scenes seen, like Gardens of the Night with John Malkovich, in 96 minutes that I really loved, and Hunger Games was really fun because we traveled all over the world, we were like in Berlin and Paris, and getting to hang out with Woody Harrelson, and, and um, like I miss those days. We, you know, we had a really good time. It was it was a, a such a production. They're all they're all interesting, but this was this was really special because I think we all knew what we're there for. And also Lee, Lee cared so much, you know, it was it, more than anything, you know, and, and so did Andrea. And it trickles down from there, you know, that, that care trickles down to everybody else.
0: How has it been filming during quarantine? With And you guys just welcomed the new baby. Oh my goodness, the juggling of it all. It's how, how has it been? You and Ashley yeah. Simpson, new baby, so cute. Uh, Ziggy? Ziggy Blue, yeah. Ziggy Blue, yeah. that is the cutest name. Um, how have you been doing all of this? Um, I mean, they never ask guys like, how are you well, juggling at all? I, so I want to know, how are
3: you juggling I at think, all? You know, you take it every day at a time. But it's been, you know, in I, all in all, you know, you got to remind yourself of how lucky we are in the sense that we get to, you know, have these moments that we may have not had the same way if we had to work. Yeah. We've had like really, you know, now things are starting to get back to work. I got to go shoot something in London. In, uh, in a few days, which is going to be tough to leave. But um, it's been, a, I mean, what a bonding experience with all of them. With, yeah. with, with Jagger, I feel like there's been a lot of learning experiences that I feel like I may have missed a little bit of. And now mm-hmm. having this Jagger's time, five now, right? Jagger's five. Watching her dance and the little moments that, you know, when you're in and out of the house, you, you don't get as much of. And especially with them doing school in the living room and doing PE, which I laugh at them the whole time. I'm like, that's hilarious that you guys <laughs> stay out there doing it. Oh, <laughs> like, in front of the screen. This is hilarious. Um, you know, these kids are resilient. They get to say that, I guess they lived through a pandemic, I don't know. And, and then my baby was born during the pandemic. I learned how to cook a lot of things that I didn't know how to cook. I'm like doing random, like, Finding random
0: new... What's, wait, what's your go-to? Are you one of those like I'm making sourdough from scratch people or like...
3: I, you don't, don't want to know really because you know, I, I'm half Norwegian. So the, the stuff that uh, I grew up eating in Norway and things like curing different meats and... Uh, oh. So, yeah, so me and my brother Ross have been, you know, coming up with some interesting ideas. And
0: and then how, how is Ashley holding up? How are you guys? I know for me and and my family, we've gotten closer than ever, um, by you know, by design of this whole quarantine thing. But how are you guys doing? We've been really good, really good. And uh
3: yeah, we've been it's it's been about being a team, you know, in this. Yeah. We of course we're gonna be there's gonna be the like how what are we gonna do? Does, mm-hmm. I think <laughs> what are we do? But I think the I think the hardest part was, you know, seeing my, my my family that, you know, have, you know, their own families and my mother yeah. and those things like that. Because we're such a close family that we see each other all the time. Um, and then having to, you know, go through different quarantine times so we could see each other during the holidays, especially with a new baby. I would love to have our baby around, but we'll get back to it. Evan, thank you so, so
0: much for talking to me today and just taking me through this film. I'm so excited for it. I can't wait to see, like, I'm hoping this is the precursor to the award season because
3: it's a big one. I hope so, too. I hope so, too.
0: That was Evan Ross. For more on him and his film, The United States vs. Billie Holiday, head over to People.com. And now, a little something to make you smile. I don't know if you've seen this, but there's a sweet performance by a street performer in Ireland that has gone viral. Mick McLaughlin was caught on camera serenading a seven-year-old boy named Edward Gilligan, who had just boarded a train with his brother. Listen to him singing Toy Stories*: You've Got a Friend in Me. And what makes this moment even more meaningful is that the young boy has nonverbal autism, but that didn't stop him from enjoying the song and having an adorable reaction. And now they've even struck up a real friendship and continue to meet up on the train. Woody would be so proud. That's all for today. Talk to you tomorrow.